Part 1, Chapter 6, The Storm Named Jaros Remember well, children, Talavos said. Jaros is not the same from moment to moment. If we are to survive this encounter, we must ride the waves of his whims. He is like a storm at sea. There is no hope of steering our course with him. We must only hold on and hope for the best. Dawn brought a molten sky that tinged the wastes in red. Talavos led the way, fretting all the while and rubbing his hands together as he flew. They were approaching a chain of mountains that stretched far in either direction. Before them was a cliff face, cloven by a gorge the Talavos was sure led to Jaro's domain. He hadn't been outside Zagora's home since he'd been enslaved to her, but he had seen maps and heard the place described enough to know it at once. Unmistakable, he said, looking up at the cliffs. Like the heads of two falcons, beak to beak, we pass between them to find the way up. Up? Ajax asked, sizing up the summit. To the top. Charles likes his heights, and this peak is the tallest in Agrosti, and he has chosen it for that reason. They passed beneath the falcon's beaks and found a path that sloped upwards along the ravine wall. As they climbed, the path became littered with skulls, some human, some animal, some mounted on posts, and others in piles were strewn haphazardly across the walkway. There were wind chimes made of bones hanging from outcroppings in the rock. They did not sound like the chimes that rang from the palace porches in Gravia. They clunked and clattered together in a mockery of beauty. The children wondered if these were the bones of Jaros' visitors, and if Jaros got many visitors at all, if the path had been from before Jaros' time, and when that might have been, and how old Jaros might be, and come to think of it, if they remembered anyone ever saying that Jaros was a man. What? Is Jaros Talavos? asked Ajax. I never assumed he was a man, but I also never thought of what he might be if he wasn't a man. I was just wondering the same thing, Talavos admitted. I never thought much about it, and I never dared ask Zagora too much about him. She hates Jaros, as you might have guessed. They climbed the day away in silence. The higher they ascended, the more they felt they were being observed. No conversation felt private, and they didn't want to say anything they would later regret, so they kept their mouths shut and legs moving. By mid-afternoon, they were nearing the top, and all eyes searched for the first glimpse of Jaros. A sudden fluttering sound made them all jump, and a winged creature swooped into view. It hovered there looking at each of them with contempt on its face. The creature was almost certainly an imp by its pointed ears, webbed wings, and the spines that splayed from its head in place of hair. Are you Jaros? Ajax demanded, stepping forward. Of course not, Phil. The imp snapped. Now, state your business. We want to see Jaros, said Ajax. The imp snorted. Of course you do. Everyone coming to bother the Exalted One. I am Jarl's right hand. 
You tell me what you are after, and I will judge it worthy or not to bring before the master. Ajax seethed at the imp's impertinence and was forming a response when Cassandra touched his arm and spoke instead. My brother is lost. We believe your master might be able to help us find him. And why should my master concern himself with a common boy from the kingdoms who was fool enough to wander off? The imp's red eyes narrowed. But the boy did not wander off, Talavos said. Vanished after reading a spell book. The children believe if they can get to Neobaris, they might find a way to bring him back. I know that Jarvis knows the way to Neobaris. And what are you? The imp looked Talavos up and down. Wait a minute, Yazagara's crony, aren't you? I knew she'd nabbed a wind sprite for herself, but I'd never seen you till now. Tumdron, is it? Or Tinklewing? <laughs> he cackled. You fay have such ridiculous names. It's Talibos. The wind sprite said, and the children noticed his tail swishing back and forth in irritation like a cat. Both Talavos and Ajax seeing red, it was up to Cassandra to deal with the imp, to get them an audience with Jaros. How can we see your master? She asked. You can't. It snarled. Now go away. It spit at Cassandra's feet. The girl did not move. We must speak with Jaros. We will wait if we must, but it is very important. And we will not leave until we've seen him. Yeah, leave. You'll leave if I pelt you with stones or cause an avalanche to grind your bones into the earth. Digna, enough. Let them come. The imp clearly wanted to disobey, but its fealty to master won out, and it sulkily turned its back to them and led them up the last stretch of the path. At the top, they found a wide ledge of stone. There, at the highest point, sat a hulking black griffin, its sharp eyes locked on them. I am Jarrows, it said. I am Cassandra, she responded. Before Talavos and Ajax could follow suit, the griffin cut them off. I do not care what your names are. They will be gone like the breeze that rustles through my feathers. They are here for an instant. They are of no concern to me. Now, tell me more about your brother and why you have come to me. Cassandra told him the story of the spellbook and Philip's disappearance, and that they had hoped to find clues of his whereabouts in Niramaris. Jaros closed his eyes while she spoke, and the feathers on his breast fluffed up. When she had finished the story, she asked if he would tell them the way to Niramaris. There was silence. Every eye was on Jaros, who sat stone still but for slow, rhythmic breaths. They waited, and Jaros said nothing. The silence became uncomfortable, then downright embarrassing. Finally, the imp cleared his throat 
Jaro's eyes shot open, and he looked about quickly before giving a monstrous yawn. Tell me your names, and why you have come, he said. The children and Talavos exchanged looks, then obeyed, introducing themselves in turn. After Cassandra had repeated the story of Philip's disappearance, and asked if he could direct them to Niramaras, Jaros again shut his eyes. The children were beginning to fear that he had dozed off again, when he began tapping a talon on the stone. There's a song there, he said. Do you hear it? Degna, children, wind sprite, you fair singers. Sing for us the song that I have tapped. Uncover the mystery, lest it drive us mad. He went on tapping his talon on the stone. Talavos fidgeted uncomfortably. There are many songs that might go with such rhythm. Which would you like me to sing? I'll be skewered and roasted like a common fowl before fey songs take this worthy air. Jaro snapped. You'll hold that song behind your lips, Sprite, or suffer my wrath. The imp cackled. <laughs> of course, said Talavos, and courteously dipped his head. He had made sure to lower himself in the air, so he might never float above Jaros. Better to let him look down on them. Wind Sprite, you are the gore's familiar, are you not? Jaros asked. I was until yesterday. He released me, said Talavos. I do not know how you stood that thrice cursed witch. She lost her mind long ago, said Jaros. You know I gave her her third curse to protect the rest of her grusty. <laughs> He chuckled. But she confounded me, and learned to use the vixen's yaps to cast spells. She's just as dangerous as she's ever been, and crafty. It's time she was snuffed out for good. A grosty would be safer for it. But how? Her lair is so well protected with illusions. Any who enter could lose themselves walking into oblivion in her twisted labyrinth. Even if I went myself, I doubt I could kill her there. The children in Talavos listened politely. Jaros was indeed impossible to keep on track. Even the imp looked wearied by his master's rambling, though he hid it well when Jaros looked his way. We know Zagora is dangerous. She tried to kill us, Ajax said. We only came to Agrasi to find Niramaras. Will you help us by showing us the way? I could show you the way, Jaros said suddenly, as though it was an idea he had just come up with. He weighed the thought, turning it over in his mind. Then he slumped down, head hung like a wilted plant, and sighed. What is just such a trifle? No, I cannot be bothered. What do you mean? Ajax asked. There is no struggle to it, showing you to near Mars. I could even fly you there on my back, but it would be meaningless, 
dull. I might die of boredom. There's no difficulty in it, no struggle. It is the struggles that cause us to grow, and that which is not growing is dying. I do not know if I can die, but I also do not wish to find out soon. I will not do it without a struggle, though I wish I could for your sakes. Still, he said thoughtfully, perhaps there is a way. Degna, fetch that spear. The imp sprang to at his master's bidding and fluttered to a pile of half-rusted weapons and armor. From it, he plucked a short spear with a slightly rusty head and returned to present it. Drive it into my body, Jaros commanded. Degna's jaw dropped, and he looked terrified, but he quickly regained composure. Surely my master can't mean for his humble servant to do him harm. Let me impel myself upon the spear before I ever harm sweet Jaros. I will not, nay cannot take these poor mistreated souls to near Amaris without a wound from this spear, said Jaros. Why do you deny me, loyal Degna? The imp was dumbfounded. They all stared at Jaros, wondering if he truly meant what he asked. Finally, Ajax said, I'll do it. Degna looked relieved, but did not move to pass Ajax the weapon until Jaros said, Give him the spear. The imp tossed him the spear, and Ajax brandished it, looking once more into Jaros' face to make certain he hadn't changed his mind. Give me a good wound, boy, or I promise I will shred you with these talons and cast you down the mountainside. Let the birds and beasts feast on your corpse, then. Ajax thrust the spear with all his might, drove it into Jaro's shoulder. He did not want to pierce a vital organ, did not want to kill their chance to find the wizard city. Jaros roared in pain and lashed out with one of his talons, marring Degna with gashes as he seized the imp by the throat. There was a snap, like a stalk of celery, and Degna fell, lifeless, to the ground. The children and Talavos were shocked. Had Jaros killed his own servant? They knew he had, but it didn't seem real. It was like a bad dream where anything might happen. No one dared to ask why he'd done it. Would Jaros give a straight answer? Would he even know himself? If he did, did they even want to know the answer? Oh, no, Morris, how I bleed for your sake. Jaros hung his head and then scooped up Degna's corpse tenderly in his talons. How deeply I and noble Degna have suffered. How dear price he has paid, and all to bring three nameless wanderers to the wizard city. So you'll take us now? Ajax asked. Jaros ignored the question, only cradled Degna's body in his talons and wept. No talk of that now, he said at length. Not until our fallen comrade, brave Degna, is honored with a proper funeral pyre. But... Ajax thought better of it and held his tongue. Fetch some wood, you three, snapped a tearful Jaros. Don't just stand about. Have you no compassion? My dear friend is gone. 
Will you not fetch a bereaved soul some wood to send his loyal servant off into the world to come? What else could they do but his bidding? Should they wander the wastes and hope to find Niramaris without a guide? No, it was better to humor Jaros and hope he followed through on his end eventually. There was no wood suitable for burning on the summit, which meant they would need to search the gorge below. It seemed they had passed a few dead trees on the way up. Perhaps those would yield the needed wood. Ajax glanced at the sun in the sky. It was still mid-afternoon. If they hurried about the work, they might have the imp burned before sunset. It might also be that after their first trip of lugging wood, Jaros would have forgotten all about the funeral and agree to take them. Either way, there was no time to lose. The three of them set off down the path to the gorge below. They returned perhaps an hour later. A serendipitous tree, long dead, had waved them over, brittle, wind-tossed branches beckoning like arms. They'd found it not thirty minutes down the mountain, and it had provided all the wood they could carry. When they reached the top, Charos, true to form, had done something unexpected. He must have had a store of wood, or gone to gather some himself, because he'd stacked a pyre twice as tall as Ajax. Atop the wood, Degna's body lay doused in oil. Jaros held a burning brand in his talon. He paused and looked at them and said, It is good of you to come, my friends. With that, he tossed the brand into the oil-soaked wood, and the pyre erupted in flames. The fire was so hot that the children in Talavos had to climb down the mountain a ways. This and the roar of the flames made it impossible to speak to Jaros. Hours passed, and they watched as Jaros fanned the flames with his wings and even took to the air, flying circles round the blaze. The sun dipped lower all the while, and soon the sky burned its own red funeral flames, sending off the dying day. Should we wait to speak to him or get away before it's dark? Asked Ajax. Talavos said he's worse at night, Cassandra said quietly. She did not want to be overheard. Much worse, if what I'm told can be believed, Talavos said, equally hushed. Then we must go now, Ajax said. Jaros' voice from the ledge above startled them. No need to leave. There's room enough up here to spend the night. Up with you, friends. Up, up. He seemed jovial enough, but the children in Talavos dreaded what would happen if they disobeyed. They dreaded even more what might happen if they went up and stayed past dark. They scrambled back up. The fire had burned low, and only a few fragments of charred bone remained of the imp. Jaros was lounging in the spot in which they'd first laid eyes on him. He seemed to regard that highest point as a throne of sorts. Can you take us to Niramaris now? Ajax asked. Jaros stared at each of them for some time. None of the three felt comfortable fixed by those aquiline eyes. Such loss cannot be mine alone to bear, he said at last. If I am to take you three to that place, 
You must make an equal payment for my loss. Neither the children nor the Windsprite knew what to say. They were expecting him to ask for one of their lives in return. What he said next brought relief, and also another problem. I will take you, but you must first kill Zagor off me. She is a scourge that has haunted these wastes for too long. We'll be better off once she is dead, and I think you'll be heroes then with passages paid to near Mars. Yes. I'll bring you with my own wings to the wizard city once you have done this thing for me. For Agrosti. Suddenly, Jaro snatched up Ajax in his talon and lifted the boy into the air. What are you doing? Demanded Ajax, more calmly than he felt. Do not think to renege on your end of the bargain, said Jaros. We have a binding contract now. You have agreed to kill the witch and trade for passage to the wizard city. And I always collect first. We never agreed to that deal, said Cassandra. You set it up and assumed we would do it, but we never said we agreed. We've just come from Zagora's home and we're not going back. Certainly not to kill her. Her fear for Ajax's safety made her more bold than she would have thought she could be with Jaros. If you cannot honor the deal, girl, I will kill the boy replied Jaros. I must have assurance of your honesty. Too many swindlers these days. And so, you will stay with me while you and the Windsprite go. Hurry up now! Cassandra bit her lip to keep from yelling, to keep from crying. She looked to Ajax. He gave her a reassuring smile. Don't worry, Cass. He said. You and Talavos can do it. I believe in you. I'll be all right here. He was trying to be optimistic. Ajax was good at that. Cassandra held her tears back. She turned to Talavos then. He flitted to her side, and the two of them started down the mountain. She looked once more at Ajax's face before they passed out of sight of one another. The falling darkness took them in, welcomed them, and wrapped them in itself. And when they'd gone further down and out of earshot, Cassandra let her tears fall. Hello, everyone. This is Keith writer and co-creator of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the series, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend about us. It really helps. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Path of Legends. We're proud to be a part of the Podbelly Network. You can find us and other great podcasts at podbelly.com. Thanks again for listening.